Thoth's Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. friends and listeners, and welcome to episode 10 of season 7 of the Thoth Hermes podcast. Today, well, it's a very special day. It's the 31st of October 2021. Tonight shall be Halloween, and it's the time of year when the gates are wide open. You know, I don't usually want to make those special events. I don't do this year either. I think we have an ongoing podcast that produces nice shows every week, so we don't have to have a special event for Halloween, but at least we should think about it, and in our practice we should all probably take care of that very special date, and so if you're listening to this episode on its release day, have a very good evening today, and stay alert, awake, aware for what you can see, feel, and hear. My name is Rudolf. I am your host, as always, speaking from the outskirts of Austria's lovely capital, Vienna. And I welcome you to this show. It's very nice to have you back uh, if you are regulars. And welcome to those of you who are here for the very first time. It's great to have you with us here. Today, um, I'm going to present you a long interview with Joshua Gadbois, or better known as Frater Rufus Opus. Uh, I'll tell you more about him just in a minute, and also will, like always, present to you a little text that he has written recently, just to introduce him before we go to meet him in his home. Right, and while we are at that, um, well, once again, I would like to remind you that you can always go to the website of the Thought Service podcast to listen only to all the episodes there, but also to find the show notes, because I'm sure that when you discover somebody you might not have known yet, an occultist, a writer, a practitioner, uh, you might want to see what they offer and where you can find more about them. So that's all on the website in those show notes. Go to the Thought Hermes website on www.thoughthermes.com, T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-S.com, and find what you need. And while you're at it, leave me a note. Leave me a note on the website. There is a contact form to send me a message. And there is also voicemail, of course. And again, while you're at it, have a look at the Patreon side. Yes, um, Patreon is very much needed. We need your support because your support makes this show running. And thanks to those of you who have already become patrons. Um, and I can only say we need a few more. Yes, it's not that we have every week more of them. It's that is small increase. But honestly, we need more of you and more of your supporters. And it's great. And I got two really nice um, extra donations also last week. And thanks to those, I won't name you. You probably want to stay anonymous. 
But um, that was really very helpful. And that can also be done, you know, guys, you, if you don't like the weekly payments, I understand. And why don't give a one-off donation to the Thought Hermes podcast? Both possibilities, you'll find them on the very first page, on the top even of the very first page of the website thoughtshermes.com. If it's about feedback, you can also use email, of course, info at thoughtshermes.com. Or you go to Facebook or Twitter to leave me a note there. Thank you all. And again, those of you who are regulars of the show, you know that this show is also always alternated with a bit of music between the interview and before and after. And um, of course, that's also happening today. Um, I don't know if you remember, but a few weeks ago, I told you that I had received a really nice gift uh, you see you could also do that this was a really quite well-known musician who does a lot of um, film music and who who has quite a name and who sent me his latest cd well his latest uh, virtual cd of course from online and Christer linder from sweden and he gave me that CD and told me I can use it on the show. And I played a few weeks ago. When that happened, I already played three tracks for you. And today, Crystal Linder will be back with three more tracks. And I'll promise you, uh, it will not be the last time. I know that you guys have really liked what he, what he sent us. And so I'm happy to say that he is going to be uh, our, our very special music guest here today as well. So, without further ado, let's go and listen to that music. Across the Never is the title of the CD or of the track collection. And Across the Never will also be our last uh, track here today that we're going to hear. But now we start with two other tracks before that. The first you're going to hear now is called Conquer. Conquer from the recording Across the Never by Christer Linder with a big thank you to Christer for his kind offering for all of you out there, for all the listeners of the Thos Hermit podcasts. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Conquer from the CD Across the Never by Christian Linder. And uh, we are going to hear more of his music uh, later in this show. But before that, of course, there's the first part of our interview. And as I said before, my guest today is Frater Rufus Opus, also known to many of you as Joshua Gatwa. Joshua has been running a very... I think I, well, we can say it was quite a famous course, a magical course, uh, alchemical course, so to speak, the Red Work, and that's inspired him to use that name Rufus Opus as his, um, well, I guess he would call it a magical name. And um, he has ever since talked and worked in alchemy and hermetics, but in a very contemporary and modern way, a very um, way very much oriented towards results. So he calls that applied hermetics. And um, I was really interested to hear him talk about that, to hear him say what applied hermetics means in 2021 to him and to all of us. Um, you have probably come across his book, uh, Seven Spheres. I, if you haven't, and if you're interested in very pragmatic approach to planter magic and grimoire then go and get uh, seven spheres really interesting and um, the course the, the the red work is as far as i know no longer um public at least not run by him he has some pupils who have now the right to carry that onward but he'll tell us more about that he's also producing regular videos for his applied hermetics youtube channel and there is also the his new baby, so to speak, um, which is which is called the Academia um, Hermetica. Well, I hope I, I say that correctly now. Um, and he, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Academia Hermetica, at least that's how we pronounce it in Europe when we want to try to speak Latin. And Academia Hermetica is a recent venture by him. I think it's very interesting. Uh, go on all those websites. I will link them on the show notes. And uh, for now, we are going to meet Rufus Opus and he can talk about those things himself. But before before that, of course, there's almost always a little text by my guest that I want to read, at least in most of the cases. And I took a text from his blog, which is about a year old, because I thought it was very telling and interesting to hear him say that. You can always tell what you really want in life by keeping tabs on what you think, say, or do with your life. The closer the three of these things are aligned, the closer you are to understanding, describing to others, and getting the thing or person or situation you want. Before we begin, take a sec and run a quick internal diagnostic on your general mood. You feeling fulfilled or unfulfilled? Complete or empty? A little scared? Mad? A little sad? When was the last time you ate and was it enough? Hydrate. Breathe in through your air holes, breathe out through your air holes, and then the praxis. To know what you want, turn your attention inside. First, check your head. What are you thinking about? Second, check your heart. 
How do you feel right now? Now turn your attention to what you're doing. First check your hands. What's the last thing you held? That's what you do with your hands. Second, check your feet. Where did you walk the last time you moved? Hint, it's where you are now, dork. Use your words to describe what you're thinking about your heart and what you're feeling to your head. When they are tuned and the words between heart and head are correct, then use your words to inform your hands on what to do. Don't micromanage, they know what to do. And use your words to inform your feet on where to go. Micromanage. You hardly ever watch where you're going. Use your words. Find your nouns, the ones that matter to you enough to think about. Verb your nouns until they are your truth. What are you doing right now? You are now doing what you want to do. I quite love that text, really. Yeah, Rufus Opus. So now let's go and meet him in person. And I will talk to him. Let's go and we meet back again in about 36 minutes for the second, well, for a second piece of music that we're going to hear by Christa Lindner. And now meet Rufus Opus. Here comes the interview. And now I'm happy to welcome here on the Sauce Hermit podcast um, somebody I honestly wanted to have on this show for quite some time. And it's as it just sometimes happens, you think about it and you forget about it again. And finally, finally, we get together Rufus Opus, um, also known as Joshua Gadbar. But we call him Rufus uh, Opus here today. And uh, as by his hermetic name, I will call him today. Um, Rufus. Hello, very nice to have you here on the show. Well, thank you, Rudolph, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm, I'm very, very curious to see where we go with this. Yes, absolutely. It's always interesting in the beginning when you don't know where we kick off and where we go. <laughs> <laughs> and a good starting point sometimes, and I believe with you it is that kind of take off that we should make um, is that we start at your beginnings you know we will then walk further off into your todays and future also hopefully but um, okay. let's go back a bit into the past and um, because all of us who work in in hermetics in magic in the occult at some point met that world and um, it made an impression different impressions on each of us but mm -hmm. um when did you meet that world for the first time and what happened at that moment? Oh, well, let's see. Okay, so uh, to really, I think, understand my, my personal journey, um, or I don't know, uh, for me personally, it was I was raised in a very fundamentalist um, Christian environment, uh, very evangelical, American evangelical Christianity, everything that you've heard about it, um, it's very true. And I was raised in that and I didn't think anything of it. I only recently have begun to realize exactly how much baggage I carry around as a result of that. Um, mm -hmm. But Bible, yeah, Bible so, Belt story, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I'm mm -hmm. like, I had more, more of the Bible memorized than anybody else in my, in my peer group by the time I was 10, you know, and like, I, I still can remember 
psalms and proverbs and things for these solomonic rituals and i'm like oh yeah this is from psalm 23 <laughs> i'm like he maketh me to lay down in green pastures and you know yeah. all this stuff and i'm like yeah so anyway I, I was immersed in this spirituality growing up um and my parents taught or my dad specifically taught me that it was your relationship with god that mattered a lot more than your religion so it was this one-on-one -on -one relationship focused um very intense uh, religious experience that our family was taught was what you're supposed to be going for. And um, uh, honestly, most most Christian technology techniques for spiritually achieving things, uh, they, they are lacking <laughs> in nuance and um, uh, effectiveness, I, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. So I was always looking for this experience with God. Uh, that my parents said I should have from their techniques that I never had, and I found it in the occult, right? So I, I've always heard, like, you, you, in America growing up, we, we had these um, Secrets of the Unexplained or Mysteries of the Unexplained. It was a Time Life series of books that came out in the 70s and 80s. And um, they had things like pyramids and aliens and all this stuff. And I would see commercials for that, and I knew that that's what I – that was – the fringy stuff that had the answers that I was looking for, you know, but I didn't know what it was called. So I researched cults and, and cult formation because I'd, I'd heard cult, but it was really occult is what I was looking for. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I so, ended up. Okay, can you, can you name what we were missing in, in that upbringing, what it was? Is it, was it just a feeling that you had that you were looking for or could you name it? Yeah, I can name it now, but it was it's because I I I found it, right? So what what was missing in that religious tr attempt to just pray your way to God was um the opportunity for God to talk back, right? So when you When you conjure a spirit using the techniques of a 16th century grimoire, you have a, a scrying device that the spirit is going to appear in and a table practice or a triangle of manifestation or something that is set up. And you've got a circle that has established who you are in relationship to the spirit that you're calling on. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, it's all firmly established in your ritual. And you know, you know who you are. You know why you're there. You have a reason to, to speak and you have a reason to be heard like you, you have a justified like you're not just showing up on God's doorstep saying hey love me because I'm cool you know it's because I have made this circle I've been initiated into these spheres I understand what this symbol means and I have done the work to recognize your your face within these spheres that I'm going to be calling on and these intelligences yes. you know you feel like you feel like you've earned your, your way into that it's almost that, a, a level of not equality maybe but of, of going on the on the same into the same language maybe exactly that's a great way to put it yeah yeah like like you're reaching out and and you've learned enough to be able to communicate you've learned the god language and not right. to be able to talk to it in its own language mm -hmm. right so I, i think that's what was missing was that that technical thing and that sense of um Like I've always wanted to have, like, I, I love the idea that we have control over our lives. You know, <laughs> I, I love that the occult gives us that, that sense of empowerment and mm -hmm. um, the ability to influence how things are going to work out, you know, and, and with just religion and just prayer, there's, there's, 
you know, it's like, God, please help me out with this and hope for the best. And that's all you got. You got no, uh, exactly. no assurances, no, no, reassurances whatever happens, it's God's will anyway. So to speak. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So yeah. Screw you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah. How old were you when you discovered uh, that you were missing that part? Um, probably like seven or eight, you know, like I started looking for something, um, early on in my, in my youth, you know, striving for, to fill that hole. And my, my grandmother had, um, you know, yard gnomes, those lawn gnomes she had set up, she ran a bar and, uh, the, in the bar in the corner, she'd set up this like rock garden with all these gnomes and stuff in it. Right. And I learned about gnomes from her just because of these stupid yard gnomes. So I, I started researching gnomes and spirits and I learned about nature spirits. And it wasn't until I was like um, 14 or 15 years old that I actually went out on my own and started buying books. I went to the Barnes and Noble at our local mall and, and here in the States in the 1990s, 1980s, it was sort of all we started. had. <laughs> yeah, but it was already starting at least. Yeah, we had that a little bit later here only, I'm afraid. But did you grow up in a, in a more rural uh, um, society or urban rather? Um, fortunately for me, my family moved around a lot. So every five years we, we went from a very small town where I was born of 1,200 people to a town of um, 20,000 people to a town of 50,000 to a town of 3 million, right? right. So like I, I was introduced to the city a little bit at a time in my life. Every five years I'd, I'd be exposed to a little bit more of what human step life is like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I have the rule the rural foundation because uh, my uh, I grew up in a corn and soybean town for the first part but then we moved to the oil field so I understand like the oil extraction and refinement right. process and what, what lifestyle goes along with that and mm -hmm. and then um, government service <laughs> so all, lots of all, community all service all kinds of stuff yeah right um, okay so then you you started looking in those in those um, booklets that you bought and found at Barnes and Nobles but um, how did it go on from there I mean how, what was the kind of initiating experience then oh well I, I read about um, I've read about Wicca and that was it was it was quaint <laughs> it was it was oh how charming you know but it was all yeah. like the very it was it was when it was at the fluffiest point of the 1990s and it was very fake and it looked fake and you know um I, I, I got into Robert Anton Wilson at, as a sidebar ah, from that, right. and that's when my that's when my occult practice really took off. Good start. <laughs> yeah. So I read the Illuminatus trilogy, and basically all the secrets of the occult were revealed to me all at once. You know, and I was like, aha, here it is. <laughs> so finally. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah, and I also started doing drugs at the same time. So, <laughs> so at that point, my mind was expanded, and I had yeah. my, my hands on Robert Anton Wilson. I read all the stuff from uh, uh, Ken Kesey and the Electric Kool Aid Acid Test, and mm -hmm. and the Merry Pranksters, and everything that I could get my hands on from the 1960s counterculture here right. in the United States, and and that culture that produced Robert Anton Wilson. You know, this occult genius of his time oh, acid head from the california hippie collective mm -hmm. you know <laughs> the, the, yeah 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 so i got uh, into not ceremonial a, not at all new age on the other hand he he was far off that other softy new age approach right yeah he was all about results you know and yeah. that was that was something i could get behind because my midwestern upbringing you know that 
that uh, work ethic, you know, what, what you do has to provide results, you know, results are, are all that matter at the end of the day. And that was something that pragmatic um, approach to the cultism is something that sticks with me to this to this day. You know, like I, you know how magicians judge other magicians, like oh, you wouldn't be a real magician unless you do blah blah blah. You know, well, of course, my, of course. My criteria is they aren't magicians unless their magic actually changes the world. You know, and has mm-hmm. material practical effects. And that's you know that's as much crap for for me to say tell other people what their magic is as it is for them to tell me what mine should be. But. We will have to go into that a bit more in detail about the results stuff and all that just one one question before that and um, i had several uh um, magicians occultists whatever different kinds lately who told me they had a background in christian in the bible but let's let's say that and who had found different paths but all deeply occult paths like you right mm-hmm. do you think somehow that christian upbringing um for some reason could even produce that because uh, the awareness of some spiritual life, whatever it is, is strongly there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the promise of Christianity is that we don't have to be afraid of God anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's what that's what Jesus death on the cross was supposed to do before and that. especially of protestant and fundamentalist uh, right uh, path right yeah yeah like mm-hmm. like if, if you go in the presence of god you die yeah without jesus but now that jesus is here you can actually hang out with god right mm-hmm. and that's what christianity promises what it yeah. delivers is is just judgmental bullshit <laughs> but it's yeah, um sure. it's um sure. yeah, yeah it it, it Knowing that that was that was what was supposed to be my experience, I took that hunger to other other places, and I found I found my sustenance in the occult. You know, I was able to conjure the spirits and speak with them and interact with them and mm-hmm. um, learn more about myself and and my place in in the universe. So. Yeah, I find that's an interesting thing. I only found out lately that this could be the case, and you, you are another um, confirmation of of that idea that actually the Bible Belt helps to bring out occultists somehow. Yeah, yeah, because we're so sick of what our parents lied to us about not working. Exactly. How, that's how did your parents react when they found out? Oh, <laughs> okay. yeah. Next so question. They, no, they um. We still argue about it, but but my father always loved me. He accepted me. He disagreed with me, but he he assumed that um, that if I was going to be saved, that God would save me, and it wasn't his problem. So yeah. so he loved yeah. me no matter what, and that yeah. was cool. My mom That's and I we still argue about things. Yeah, yeah. That's they went through. Mom's not here for. They, they anointed every piece of occult stuff that I had with oil. I came home from school one day and like really? all of my stuff was greasy. I'm like, why is this uh, greasy? <laughs> I were like, to save oh, your boy, to save her boy, exactly. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, they burned my they burned my copy of the Necronomicon too. Okay. You know, so okay. Okay. that's that's well, what kind of parents. I so you had to fight your way through, and well, when did it maybe the word saying did it become serious? Maybe that's not very a uh, good way to put it. But when did it become a part of your day to day life, so to speak? Um, as soon as I was out of my parents' house, I I left mm-hmm. home at eighteen and. Um, 
I, you know, one of my first purchases was, was, uh, Prometheus rising, <laughs> you know, and uh, like all of a sudden I could get all the occult books that I wanted. So I got Prometheus yeah. rising and, mm -hmm. uh, 11 lessons in high magic by Donald Michael Craig. And, you know, and I, I had, mm -hmm. um, uh, Crowley's big blue brick and yeah, all that, you know, I, I had all this occult stuff all of a sudden and, and that was it. And I, you know, it, it was my house, my life and my rules. And, Sure, but you you then at some point and uh, you tell us how how that came how that happened, and you picked a, a very particular way in, in somehow you you go for a traditional hermetic path today. That's what you stand for today. Correct me if I'm putting that not exactly right, but uh, um, that's how I would define it. Yeah, I think that that's accurate. I my magic my magical practice um that i teach and advocate is the trithemian system it's uh it's a, a really simple conjure system that puts the magician and the spirits that they're working with together in a the, the least amount of time with the least amount of uh specialized equipment required you know you don't have to wake up at dawn on wednesday you know for three months before you <laughs> before you can actually conjure the spirit you can you can start with it and then you know that night you can be conjuring your first angel it's it's so it's simple. really down to earth so to speak right. right and and we have everything we need in our in our house right now to do it you know it's a pad of paper a pen a cup with some water in it you know it's really simple stuff that we could use so i i, I love it um it came out of the 16th century it's a traditional grimoire you know so it works with all the other spirits and, and systems of that time period uh it has the same basic model of of um you know, your oration, your declaration of where you stand in, in relation to the cosmos and the cosmology and and then you your or oratory evocation of your spirit after you consecrate your tools and everything. It's 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 wrote, you know, um, it's probably written by uh, Francis Barrett, I think. Um, that's my my suspicion. It's based on the fourth fourth book of occult philosophy i think mm -hmm. yeah that which was spurious but mm -hmm. yeah I, i assume it was a barrett production and how did you dig that out i mean how did that that boy suddenly become a specialist in in 16th century hermetic writings <laughs> A specialist. <laughs> okay, I, I hesitate to accept that title, but um, okay, well, I'll give you another <laughs> uh, <laughs> amateur uh, explorer. <laughs> That's okay. what I think I am. But um, okay. yeah, so you know, for years I did chaos magic, and chaos magic works, and I understood the principles of magic based on on what I learned from Robert Anton Wilson and the Illuminatus and all that stuff. Sure. But it wasn't. It wasn't um, super effective, you know, and I, I attribute that to my own lack of focus uh, and sort of lack of discipline. But when I got to the Trithemian system, you know, this was like 20 years of, of doing magic later. Uh, I had just I had just come out of another, <laughs> I, you know, how you like go through a bad relationship and you leave them and then you go back to them. So I just come back from another Christian episode in my life. <laughs> I had okay. okay. gotten back out of Christianity again. I tried it again and it failed me again. So I was getting back into the occult and I found um, the, the online. So this is something I'd like to talk about. A culture, the cult, the mm -hmm. culture of our, of our occult friends and community. You know, this this is. Uh, it's been a major part of my life, you know, and and the online community now um, was just coming out into being 
when I was getting on the internet and I got to see it all come into play. But it was my friends and, and my, my fellow magicians that were talking about what we were researching and playing with on the internet together that helped shape me and point me towards Trithemius. Like I heard about it on, um, on uh, esotericarchives.com and I was at esotericarchives.com that's Joseph Peterson's site right Joseph Peterson yeah. is is the academic um, God's gift to the occult <laughs> you know, he's, he's like he, yeah. he's, he's just such a treasure and esotericarchives.com is a, a, an amazing resource but um, I learned about that because of Aaron Leach's uh, secrets of the Solomonic Grimoires group that he had on Yahoo, you know, and it's just this this communication with all these these other magicians that that were doing things, you know, they they pointed me towards it, you know, and it was it was sort of like um, you know in uh, in the Illuminatus trilogy, it talks about how uh, the steam engine came into being at multiple points, multiple places on the earth out of yeah. unrelated yeah. research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think I think the the time was such that Trithemius came to me and if it wasn't me it would have been somebody else and somebody else would have re- redesigned this system because it's so practical mm. and useful. So, I mean you you mentioned a few things already about it, but what Maybe you can you can broaden that a little bit. What is so particular about the Thoracemius system? What what makes it so handy? What makes it so practical? Well, for me, it was because um, so like I started conjuring spirits uh, with the intent of doing Enochian magic, and Enochian has like hundreds and hundreds of spirits that you can conjure. You know, you can just. Mm-hmm as many as you can think of and it was just too complicated for me and it was um too many spirits so i was like okay i'll go for the ophanim the ophanim looked great you know there was fewer spirits <laughs> and I, I, you know i'm trying to work my way up to, to something more complicated and they were too complicated so then i, I figured i'd just do the archangels of the ten spheres of the Sphiroth, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i was mad at kabbalah at the time because a friend of mine had ruined it for me <laughs> so so i was like Forget Kabbalah. I don't want to learn Kabbalah. I don't want to learn the ten spheres. You know, seven. There's only seven planets that move, and here's this system that only has seven planets, okay. seven archangels to conjure. So it was simple. Okay. And I yeah. wanted to start doing it. And I wanted to work my way up to the more complicated stuff. So I just started with Trithemius, and um, yeah, one thing led to another, and it turned out to be all I all I needed. So. Can you historically tell us a little bit about where and how it was used at the time in the 16th century, that system? I don't think it, I don't think there's any evidence that it was ever used. I don't there, like I don't know of any any diaries or manuscripts from the time that mention it. I just. OK. It was a it was a, one of the many manuscripts that somebody found in a. Mm-hmm in the library collection somewhere that so that we don't know much about you about the origins of, of it in, in fact right yeah the graphics that come with it are taken out of the fourth um the fourth book of occult philosophy book, i believe yeah. mm-hmm. and some mm-hmm. of the descriptions of the lawmen come from the fourth um mm-hmm. the fourth book of occult philosophy but it's mm-hmm. uh, the the rest of it's sort of it's a different way of doing the oration. I don't think the oration exists anywhere else in exactly the same way. And the method of conjuring the spirits, and it has a list of questions that you ask each spirit um, to decipher it. It's, it, I mean, the, the, the grimoire itself is 
it's pretty standard so yeah yeah um I want to pick up on something that you said uh, twice or three times earlier. And I also read that in, in an interview of you, you started, you said, because you wanted to get results. Um, you started with money magic, basically, you, you said yeah. in, in that interview. I don't know if you remember that. And I, I don't remember where I read it, but it was an interview with you. Um, and here you, you talked a lot about results that you want to achieve. So uh, that result-based magic, how would you define that? What, what is it about it? What, of course, I mean, in, in the foreground, it's easy to, to understand that you want to make money with it, right? Mm -hmm. But, but there, there must be something behind that makes you say that the result-oriented magic is the one that you look for. Um, well, it, it goes back to my Protestant upbringing and the practical uh, uh, approach to everything. Like the value of something is what you get out of it, right? Mm. Your return on investment. Mm. What, what, what is your, and that's just, that's just where, I, where, you know, my psychology was, was formulated. But when it comes to, to magic, you know, if a, if a system, if you can pick up a system and follow the steps, like all, all these occult books, tell you this is how the system works and here's the steps you do and now here's a sample and now you go do it and you should be able to have results and if if it's a valid system you should be able to pick up the book follow the steps do the work and have the ability to get what you want as a result right and i don't know if that you know it, whether you're you're striving for personal um, transformation, uh, attunement, a connection with God, a spiritual union with, with our source, you know, that's, that's beautiful and that's great. And that counts as a result too, in my opinion, that's results oriented magic. Um, if you're looking for a, a windfall to get you through a financially hard time and you conjure Bune, um, the, the Duke from the Goetia and you ask for money and you get the money that, that can, I consider that a, a positive result. It, it's effective magic and, and it works. So that's, that's, um, the kind of magic I think is, is great and, and useful. And those are the magicians that, that are doing magic to accomplish things and having it work and having it be effective. Um, yeah. I, I guess, I guess my, my, if I'm going to, talk down about other people i mean i guess i try to you know i'm not gonna i, I don't really need to i i, I think yeah, that yeah, sure. if, if other people are getting something out of their path that's fine but my path exactly. i, I want to see i want to see something to prove that it, mm. what i'm doing isn't a waste of time but when you also for example talk about personal improvement about being a result of course the result definition then gets very broad of course mm -hmm. That's why yeah I, like what yeah. how do you tangibly measure measure it what are your metrics exactly you exactly know? but there, there might be and i don't want you to talk bad about anybody else i i'm i'm absolutely with you this has absolutely no sense because because uh, um, everybody goes their path and uh, if they believe in it and and achieve what they want good for everybody but um um i'm i'm just saying this in theory some people might say um, um achieving money as a result those purest, those purest um, uh, magicians or hermeticists might say that's black magic because mm. it's. Uh, what yeah, it's do you answer them? Yeah. Oh, do you answer oh, 
uh, Agrippa has a great a great argument about how all all uh, practical magic is evil and <laughs> should never happen. <laughs> you know, and, and like Agrippa is like my my go to guy. Uh, so I mean, okay. no, I disagree with him too. <laughs> so <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, this is this is the this is the argument. Should we should we love the world that we were born into and should we cherish it? Or should we treat it as um, this negative place of, of distraction and illusion that's only serving to keep us from true happiness, which only happens when we stop being here? You know, I mean, it, it, what, what belief system, what import are you going to take out of your, your system? You know, for, for me, uh, um, this whole this whole process the creating of life, the creating of our experiences, um, that that's what we're trying to, 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 to see. You know, I, I think I'm, I, I don't know. I, I've kind of lost my, my point there. I don't know exactly where I was trying to get to with that, but yeah, but with the result oriented to what other people, material matter. Oh yeah. Yeah. So materialism yeah. versus spirituality. That's like the yeah. big question, right? So right. if, if your practice, is such that if your practice is focused on getting out of the material world, leaving it behind because it's dirty and it's gross, then I think you're going to have a really bad time in your life, you know, because it, you're in a material body. And if you think it's gross, you're going to be grossed out all the time. If your belief system teaches you that we're here to create something, which is what I think the Neoplatonic uh, emanationist model teaches is that we are made in the image of a creator God and we are happiest when we are creating the universe as if we were the little gods of our lives, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that that is, is a richer experience that incorporates mm -hmm. the material existence, the, the fact that we exist in a material body. If, if your belief system incorporates that as a valuable thing, you're not going to hate yourself all the time quite as much. <laughs> you know? yeah, so, yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's worthwhile. A, that the other system is a typical Valentinian Gnosticism, right? So, right. Yeah, where you reject, right. Re reject all of the exist, material existence, exactly. negative. And that's, yeah, yeah. That, I don't, I don't agree with that. And, and you have that also in some areas of, of Kabbalah with the, with the Klyphos uh, system, mm -hmm. which was all the negative side uh, that creation uh, made happen, right? Right. And, and there's room for, so in, in some approaches to interpreting Kabbalah, there's room for the Klepoth to be um, integrated into your practice, right? Mm -hmm. So like you got the Kenneth Grant people who've gone into the the tunnels of Set and the, the yeah. exploring the, the the husks that fell off of the, the spheres, you know, and they've mm -hmm. got all this and uh, exploring the shadow side of the tree of life. And I don't, I'm not into that. You know, I don't, I don't, think you really have to immerse yourself in the, the most negative aspects of existence. Mm. But I think you, there's value in incorporating it. Would you call yourself a ceremonial magician? No, I'm going to stick with hermeticist. I would call myself a hermeticist. Right. right. And what, what defines a hermeticist for you? Um, it's a broad enough label that it can include Greek magical papyri. It can include practices from the hermetic tradition extending back to 
um, as, as far back as we have written history, you know? So mm-hmm. like I can call myself a hermeticist and do ceremonial magic, do uh, participate in a Thelemic ritual or a Wiccan ritual or um, a, a Greek magical papyri ritual and be equally comfortable in that. But mm-hmm. if I call myself a ceremonial magician, then I can't do conjure work. I can't do, you know, all this other stuff, right? You limit yourself too much, right? Yeah. Right. And, right. And also, I don't want to associate with the people who consider themselves ceremonial magicians. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you mean. And and <laughs> chaos, chaos magic. I mean, I, I I don't want to do too much of a definition work here. It's just interesting. Mm-hmm. On I'm interested in your opinion. It's not to to separate things and make drawers, right? It's just you you've had your you had your time as a chaos magician. You said, um, is that a necessary development that you had to do to become the hermeticist that you are today or can it be even be integrate integrated part of hermeticism well i think chaos magic is a label that's been applied to the techniques that magicians have been doing the long the whole time we've been doing magic right so mm-hmm. we we take symbols we use them to represent things that are invisible and we do things with those to create a change in our life mm-hmm. that's that's like the core the core bare bones of chaos magic and that's fine chaos magic just wrapped another label around it that was that had a better vocabulary for where i was at at the time yeah so and yeah i don't know if it yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I think chaos magic is like the only real meta system that we have. The meta, the only real system that 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 looks at it as sort of meta, um, looking at it as if it were just a system instead of uh, requiring that you believe it at at the door. <laughs> you know, like for mm-hmm. for most things, you you have to accept that you are like. And in, in my approach with Trithemius and the Neoplatonic system, Hermetics. I really do believe that I was made in the image of God and that the reason the spirits work with me is because they love me. Mm. You know, I think that that is a much better explanation for why magic works than uh, the spirits do what they're told because I am threatening them and I have some power to hurt them. Right. Because okay. I don't think I do. So, yeah, 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 yeah. But but that's just an approach, right? It's just but a different. I, I, I feel we we create. We are creating a lot of discussion among our listeners at the moment, and that's good. I really like. It. I think it's a good. It's a good point. So I add another layer to that. You you had also among the the literature that you bought as a, as a youngster. You said the the brick um, Crowley's brick has yeah. Crowley been uh, a big influence on you on what you are today did you ever become a thelemite for two weeks or, or what happened then? <laughs> oh i was i i uh <laughs> um i was initiated into the ordo templi orientis i oh, made okay. it up to right. fourth see i felt that somehow yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I made it all the way up to fourth and pi i was in between triads and um i had a disagreement with the way they were running their organization and um i I rather uh, largely <laughs> in, in, a, in a I withdrew in a in a loud fashion. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm still yeah. trying to find like I, I insulted a lot of people and burned a lot of bridges and mm-hmm. um, still trying to fix some of that. You know, like tell the people I'm sorry, but 
at the same time, I disagree with a lot of their anyway. Politics, right. politics happened, uh, but yes, I. But in terms of belief, yes, I, I I was a thelemite for a while. I am a thelemite. I would consider myself a thelemite. And I don't the think true, the true will is is something that's important in your life, I guess. Right, but I I think true will is just a label that refers yeah. to the same thing that. Like providence, when, when Protestants talk about the providence of God or the will of God or um, whatever, I think that's the same thing that Crowley was referring to as true will. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I think Crowley is, is uh, part of everything that we have in our modern culture, our, our cult system, because everything that he wrote, it, it was either directly or indirectly influencing everything that everybody else has written since. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. in the 70s, uh, Red Wheel Weiser published um, Crowley's work because obviously Wasserman was part of Red Wheel and, and, you know, people were eating it up. But it was all Crowley was like the only source for occult materials that anybody was publishing. So yes, an entire generation thought that... Um, magic and theory and practice was the bee's knees. That was like the, the, the height of occultism and, and nobody thought to question, wait a minute, was this guy, was he a heroin addict that, that maybe shouldn't be <laughs> representing the entire Western mystery tradition? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. So, well, I mean, um, would you see yourself, uh, you being a, you having done Bible study, would you see yourself of something representing Ecclesiastes 3, you know, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Is that something that you believe is part of your life within the magical life? I mean, oh, or, or not? Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's like been the, the major lesson for the last year and a half, two years in, in my occult work personally, mm -hmm. if you want to talk about my, me personally and my magical work and what I'm doing, sure. um, I've, I've been having my nose rubbed in the fact that, uh, everything is temporary and comes into being for a time and then passes away. And that that is the nature of manifestation, that everything that, that happens happens for a moment and then it's gone, you know, and uh, that can be a relationship with someone that you trust and have put a lot of time into that just falls apart for a series of unexpected reasons. Or it can be like my father passed You know, he died of COVID. We've got COVID. I lost my job, the job that was like absolutely going in my way. Everything was going great and then it was gone. Okay, I couldn't get a job for six months. Hmm. I I mean, there's no reason for that. I've never been unemployed for six months before and I, I couldn't get a job for six months. Yeah. And it was like the, the ephemeral nature of things and the unreliability of, of the universe was just everywhere in my life for a while there. So yeah, I, I think that that a time for everything and everything in its season is very, very much um, something that, that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. I'm now interrupting our talk as usual for a little musical break. We'll come back with Ecclesiast with that citation from the Bible right away after a piece of music. And as I told you already in the very beginning, Today, again, it is music by Crystal Linder from his release Across the Never that he offered us so gracefully um, uh, a few weeks ago. And it's the second time that we use that offer to 
play his music. And the second track that you're going to hear here tonight is called Night Eye. Night Eye, uh, another track from that uh, recording Across the Never. And after Night Eye, we'll be back with the second part of our interview. And right after the interview, there's the third track. And well, that's the already announced Across the Never, the track that gave the title to the whole CD, uh, also, of course, by Crystal Linder, created and recorded by him, offered to the Sauce Hermes podcast. So once again, in order, Night Eye, then the second part of the interview with Joshua Gadba, better known as Rufus Opus. And at the end, you'll hear Across the Never, the track that gave its name to the whole CD by Christel Linder.
But when we pick up at Ecclesiast again, um, of course, you could also say, yes, there's a time for everything, but there is, it's a very hermetic text for me. That's why I was also citing it, because it, it doesn't say, well, that's what life is and it just happens like that. It also says, well, if there is death, there is also life because there is life, there is death because there is planting, there is um, harvesting, etc. And right. if you translate that into the occult, I find that an interesting layer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you have to, the chain of manifestation in Hermetics goes from Saturn to the moon, right? Mm -hmm. And Saturn is terminus, right? Yes. Beginnings and endings. Yes. It starts there, it ends there. But yeah. it goes all the way down to the moon before it comes back up. And what happens on the moon? The moon is starting and ending, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's both starts and ends. It's the new moon and the full moon. It's and all the phases in between. And you know, that's that's the tip of the chain of manifestation in our life, right? So this chain of seven spheres that goes from Saturn all the way down and you know an idea in the mind of god accumulates um vibrations from each of the seven spheres as it passes through accumulating them until it can manifest as a physical form right that's mm -hmm. that's the theory so there's this chain this like this stick with these seven knobs on it and it's condensing and it's condensing and all we actually see of it um is, is this is the moon which fades into being mm -hmm. or fades mm -hmm. out of being and fades back into being and, and that's right that's, that's essential i think yeah yeah well you just said the key word seven spheres of course seven spheres that's the title of the book that you published i believe seven years ago now um and i think i don't know but i i feel it's a bit your your key work so far, um, so far it, it, yeah. it's it, it has certainly de developed out of the red work course I would say um, oh yeah definitely yeah maybe we should go back before we return to the seven spheres um, uh, so let's go into your teaching work with you when did you start that I mean when did it come to you to say okay now I'm I have developed so much that I would like to pass yes. that on to some now I must tell you all the things that I know no I don't know um, <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't my fault. I, I would like to say that it wasn't my idea to teach. I, um, okay. I uh, actually it was after working with the Trithemius um, system, I conjured Gabriel and I got this um, vision of the universe that sort of I, I understood everything all at once and working with Raphael and and. Mm. Uh, anyway, I, I was getting all this information was coming into my head and I was talking about it to my friends on on um, in the Yahoo groups because that was how we talked. <laughs> and uh, people, I, I, I couldn't get my thoughts out in the forum there. So I started blogging because I wanted to be able to like I, I came from an English background. My father was a newspaper editor and I considered myself a writer from a very young age. So I wanted to write essays about so I could get my thoughts out. And I started writing blog posts so I could figure out something and then refer to it in these groups and have people read it and tell me what I was wrong about without interrupting me as I was trying to get my thoughts out. So right. Um, so from that, I developed a blog, and from the blog, I developed a following, and from the following, um, 
eventually people started asking me how to do the things I had done. So I just codified what I had done and set it up in a series of steps based on what I had done. And I taught other people what I had, what I had to learn to, to become the person that I was. Mm -hmm. And that then turned into what is or was called the Red Work course, right? That's correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. And from that course... Um, Maybe you can tell a bit about the course, what it was. I think we must say it. You don't teach it anymore, but I'll just do it. Mm -hmm. your people who you initiated, right? Yeah. I. Yeah. That's. I'll tell that story too. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, Yeah, I joined the AA, the mm -hmm. the uh, Astro Argentinium or whatever. It, it doesn't really stand Argentum, for anything. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but the AA group I joined uh, uh, was not the officially endorsed AA group by the OTO. And because of politics, um, uh, it was important to me to seem like I was beyond reproach and I didn't want to get my, my group in trouble by charging to teach mm. Rosicrucian mysteries. And yeah. the more I studied in the AA, the more I realized the AA teaches the same things I was teaching in the red word courses. And I couldn't charge for the classes and teach AA wisdom and still hold to the Rosicrucian oath to yeah. heal the sick and yeah. that gratis, right? Yeah. So yeah. to protect yeah. the, the reputation of the group I was affiliated with, I had to stop charging for my classes. And I was fine with that. I wasn't I wasn't doing it for the money anyway. So I, I told the, my best students, I was like, well, I, I, all my students, I said, if you guys want to keep teaching this, um, I, I came up with a test. And I said, that if they passed the test and they answered the questions in a way that indicated they understood the material, I figured they would be certifiable and I could certify them to teach my class. And I think um, maybe half a dozen people passed the test. And, and of those three or four are still busy teaching. Mm -hmm. so. And that course, it, it looked, I mean, I, to be honest, I only had a very quick look at it. But mm -hmm. that very quick look gives the impression that it is built in a very alchemical way almost mm -hmm. because yeah. it goes through black work to white work to to green work and then to red work at some point i guess right uh, um, yeah. so why that approach uh, that was what i was interested in at the time uh the great work was sort of what i was drawn to as, as a label you know um i think that that's Ultimately, we were talking earlier about material versus spirituality. The mm. spiritual pursuits are the ones that are more rewarding to me, and maybe that's because of my Christian upbringing. Um, but the great work and the transformation of the self to become the best Rufus Opus, Joshua Gadbois that I can be, that's my that's my personal goal in doing mm. magic. Mm. And f the only system or process that we have in the esoteric community that talks about turning lead into gold or, or going from a, a complete screw up to somebody who's got their, their poop in a group and can manage mm -hmm. to uh, be a decent human being, you know, is the great work. And that's what it, that's what it's about is this alchemical transformation applied esoterically to our spiritual substance. So, mm -hmm. so I grabbed, I grabbed the terminology of that and plugged my system into that. Right. And, Uh, and then you gave up on it and then came seven <laughs> spheres, right? Is that, is that, um, is that how it happened? Not, not exactly. Seven spheres came out of, um, uh, Jens for Jupiter. It was, it was a, mm -hmm. 
that came out of a, a comment on Facebook. Someone um, said, if you're going to start a mystery cult today, what would it be? And someone said, Gents for Jupiter. And I was like, let's do it. So we started Gents for Jupiter. And okay. um, as part of that, we came up with these rituals for Jupiter. And everybody had their own ritual for Jupiter. Everybody would do their own ritual for Jupiter once a month. And we would bless everybody else in the group. And that was a thing. And everybody came up with their own approach. Nothing. Nobody told everybody else what to do. It was just... Whatever. So I, I picked the Trithemian rite, and I was studying the Orphic hymns at the time. So I used the Orphic hymn to Jupiter as the statement of intent after conjuring Tadkiel. Mm-hmm. So Trithemius conjured Tadkiel, Orphic hymn to Jupiter, close out the rite. That was it. And I call it a gate rite because when I did the ritual, <laughs> it was like this gate opened up in front of me and, and this okay. thing and, and this powers of Jupiter flowed down on me and, and into my room. And it was just this wonderful experience. So, okay. so I shared it with the group and um, I came up with one of those for each of the, each of the other planets. And as I was doing it, um, as I was, as I was following the process, I received, <laughs> I, I went through an initiation myself. Right. And it took me through, um, a spiritual transformation that I turned into the green work phase of the, of that um, course course that I was doing. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that transformation, uh, turned into that, but, but out of the gents for Jupiter came the gates process, the Orphic hymn with the Trithemian thing. And that is what turned into seven spheres was Mm. an initiate, an initiatory process that, empowered you as a magician and framed it in the language of um, making you the king of your kingdom, right? So in Jupiter, the idea was you'd get a, um, a, a blessing and an anointing, like the way kings would be anointed by the, the prophets mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you would go down through the other spheres and attain all the things you needed to run a kingdom. And the reason I picked the kingdom metaphor was because most of the um, the grimoires and stuff that people work from uh, were all from feudal feudal countries, right? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and... Is, is would you call Seven Spheres the book? Would you call it a grimoire as well, or or is it? Um, what is it? No. Uh, what what, what uh, is it for the reader? What 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 should he do with it? It, it sort of crosses the line between self help and um, occultism. It sort of does, you know, right. because it, it's about it's about empowering yourself and giving yourself the tools that you need to to run your life. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more, I, I would consider almost like pseudo philosophical <laughs> at this point. Okay, you know? interesting. Um, interesting. My, my, my impression, it's probably the work of yours that I know best, right? So mm-hmm. it's difficult for me to compare. I don't know the course, as I said, I don't know it very well. Um, but when I take the book, as far as I know, it's um, uh, apart. To me, maybe not a grimoire, but it's much more than self-help. It's, I feel it goes, it goes really quite deep into day-to-day work, right? Well, yeah, but so, yeah, right? I mean, that's what, that's what I think we're here to do. Yeah, well, well probably, that is, into it. probably that is self-help in the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so maybe, maybe, maybe self-help is to, uh, 
too shallow of a, of a label for it. But uh, I think the, the, the word itself is very good. It's just that, like many other words, even esotericism, it has been abused so much. Uh, right. Self-help, it's that big department in the libraries where you don't want to go in as an occultist, right? Right. And, well, and, and how much... so. The Corpus Hermeticum says at the end of it, in the Divine Pander, the Divine Pymander, yeah. that we basically forgot that we were these beautiful, intelligent, creative entities that all the all the universe loves. We forgot it, and that's why we act the way we do, right? And in, that's very much what um, what what the Seven Spheres is supposed to do is to remind you yeah. of who you used to be, and it, you know yeah. the, the way we take. The way we take our words for granted, like esotericist or or self help or whatever, you know, yeah. the the process of the great work is 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 the process of rehabilitating those words and reminding ourselves of what the value is of what the symbols that we use, right? Mm-hmm. So, like the, the value of the magician is it, we aren't we aren't being we aren't getting the powers of creation bestowed on us when we go through the seven spheres of initiation we're being reminded that we were already given those powers like okay mm-hmm. when we manifest it so yeah anyway I, i thought that was neat that what you were saying about yeah yeah and i mean now said set that apart from the seven spheres book but what you just said and that is of course a very hermeticist point of view uh, agreed um how Can you explain what's happening in the world? Um, having said that, why why is it happening? I know that is a difficult one. You don't have to answer it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the people at home can't see my face, but <laughs> yeah, no that that's that's a that's a really depressing um, topic. Honestly, it's. Uh, Uh, yeah, the the sorrow the sorrow aspect of being incarnated in this material world is something that um, uh, we have to struggle with every day. You know, like all of us do. Uh, it's it's a sad world. Um, the state of the world today. It would be nice to say, oh, it's because we don't remember, we don't appreciate who we are. You know, and that would fix everything. But I don't think hermeticism would fix everything. Like, I don't think everybody would believe it. I don't think it would heal everybody the way it's healed me. Mm. I don't think it, it, I don't think in and of itself, it actually provides any answers. It just provides a set of symbols that let you find your answers, you know? Mm. Mm. And it goes back to what my dad taught me, relationship versus religion. Mm the reason people are so upset all the time is because we can't have what we want when we want it. Mm. That's why people are mad at each other. That's why we fight. And that's, and there's no way to solve that with what you believe. There's no way to believe that away. When two people want the same thing, one of them is going to be unhappy and you can't, you can't believe their unhappiness out of existence. You can get them right. to accept that they can't have it. <laughs> you know, sure. you can't, you can't make everybody happy. And That's the fundamental cause of sorrow is everybody can't be happy all the time. Mm, yeah. That's, that's just part of life, that. right? Yeah. But, you know, I mean. But there we are with Ecclesiastes again. Yeah. So, I mean, mm. I, I think there's too many people for the world to, 
to to function well but it's i mean it's not mine i didn't yeah. i didn't <laughs> it wasn't my idea <laughs> it's a tricky word yeah yeah absolutely um so. but when you said you you it healed you of course the, the the root meaning of the world healing is to become whole again right mm -hmm. and that that's very much part of hermeticism isn't it yeah what, what hermeticism is talking about what it's talking about is your relationship to everything else and how it exists when you're not when you're not thinking about it mm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's easy to know what your relationship is when it's in your head but when you're not yeah. thinking about it what is it really you right. know and it provides it provides a framework and The Corpus Hermeticum has this beautiful story that talks about how things happen. Yeah. And it tells the story of, of what happened before what we're feeling and what we're seeing, what we're smelling and what we're processing, what we're thinking about mm -hmm. up until now. How did we get here? How did this, how did this get here? Mm -hmm. And what it's talking about, like literally, I don't, I don't believe in archangels. I don't believe mm -hmm. that there is an entity that was emanated as an intelligence of of the powers that manifest as Venus. I don't think that there is an intelligence of that, but that force can be communicated with through that that veneer, that symbol, that facet of whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. So whatever the true truth is of how it all works. Hermeticism provided me with the tools to find that truth and to become whole, to become a whole human being. Mm. And not because Hermeticism is true, but because the languages it uses, the symbols that it uses, pointed me to the truth to where I could find it out for myself. So in that way, I do think I'm a Gnostic. It's, it's, because, it's because I did the magic that I, I know the things I know and I can do the things I can do. And, I can yeah. I can get through life without wishing it was over, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that very well put. But that uh, that line between, if there has to be a line between hermeticism and gnosticism, is of course a very difficult one to draw. <laughs> yeah. And as I say, sometimes it's even the question I ask the question: Is it necessary to draw a line? But other times, I feel it very much is. But I don't know. I'm not always sure. Where, where does your name Frater Rufus Opus come from? What does it mean and how did you find it? It is uh, Canum Latinum. <laughs> It's my dog Latin for um, uh, red work. So okay. Rufus ah, okay. is red. Opus yes, is absolutely. Work. Well, I should have But should have should have said seen that. Sorry. Well, yes. Um, okay, so it should have been Rufum Oparum. <laughs> it would have been, <laughs> it would have been the, the proper way of of saying yeah. it. Yeah, um, of course. I, yeah. I have another motto that I use is uh, Rex Oparum, and that's okay. that's my the, the, the king of the work. <laughs> yes, the, yeah. the work of the kings actually. The work, the work of the king of, actually. The, yes, the, yes. The, yeah. yeah. So yeah. because that's that's what I strive to do is is yeah. the work of kings. Yeah, yeah, I so, see. Do you remember, so, um, sorry, do you remember in the Bible? What do you remember in the Bible? It's the pleasure of of God to hide a thing, and the pleasure mm -hmm. of kings to discover it. Yeah, yeah, right. So that, that's right. what the work of kings is. Yeah, well, we are back back to your roots in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> um, which brings me to to the. I guess the latest projects that you have, because when nowadays you look for 
Rufus Opus on the internet, you would type rufusopus.com. I think that site is still rather new, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't quite um, finished it. It's okay. only been up for a couple of years now, so no, <laughs> I haven't gotten around right. to well. it. No, um, <laughs> no yeah, but there are so, two very interesting chapter uh, chapter denominations on it, and I would like yeah. you to talk to us about that. One being Applied Hermetics, other being Academia Hermetica. So... Tell us about both. Okay, so Rufus Opus is me, and Academia Hermetica and Applied Hermetics are sort of the two things that I want to do. So those three three websites are sort of like this notional approach that I have to changing the world eventually when I get around to it after I finish dotting all my I's and crossing all my T's. <laughs> so <laughs> it's my work in progress. But eventually I want Applied Hermetics to be my outreach part of where I actually try to reach out to the world and bring that healing uh, to their lives that I found through applying hermetics to my life. So that's going to be sort of like the, I want to say like laity religiosity sort of thing, sort of like um, teaching people the, the, the mysteries without teaching them in a mysterious way. You know, without having to learn how to be a magician to mm. to work with the forces that we're born with, so that's going to be sort of like the soft esoteric side of things and applying okay. the principles of hermetics. And then, Academia Hermetica is supposed to be this big tent, and I have an open invitation to any hermeticist or anybody who considers themselves a hermeticist who'd like to teach to present to me what you'd like to teach. I will give you a form for it. I've got this software that I bought that that lets you cr present these online learning learning systems in a cohesive way. It's got all these tools and bells and whistles that you can do. And I would like to have a place where people can just go and learn magic or hermetics or mm -hmm. Kabbalah or chaos magic or whatever our Western mystery tradition has to offer. And I want to stick to the Western stuff because I don't really understand the Eastern mm. and it's outside of my purview, but um, there is room for, for people to teach the Eastern stuff too. So it's a kind of Alexandrinian approach in the internet. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I wanted it to be an open mic night, you know, where people can just come up and say whatever they have to say if they want to mm -hmm. and make money for it if they want to. So and and how far has it got? And and, and uh, I've got um, so Maggie Caldwell is the only other person I've gotten to teach there. I've got some classes up that I've done. Uh, but I've also gotten one other person so far. I've got two other people uh, putting material together to present through the site mm -hmm. um, that I actually expect to to present. I've got a chaos magician, um, Andrea Vitimus. He's a good friend of mine uh, from mm -hmm. back in the day. Uh, he's mm -hmm. going to be teaching there, um, hopefully. <laughs> and um, uh, I'm hoping to get Denny Sargent. Um, he's uh, popular in the... Um, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly what community, the pagan community. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so we've so got some pagans, I've got some chaos magicians, I've got some ceremonialists and some Croatia uh, magic and some werewolves, got some werewolves working on it. So, okay, yeah, 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 interesting, interesting. So, I mean, you're using the internet fully. You, you have always done that because already with Redwork Course, I think uh, the internet was, a, was the base for it. Um, and you also mentioned earlier in our talk that people have at the time met in Yahoo groups, but that of course was also internet based. And um, you are of that generation that started magic 
already heavily interacting over the web, right? So what do you think today? It's a question I like to ask to others as well, but uh, I always get different answers. Um, what do you think? Is it easier for a youngster today to find his or her way through, through the schools? Or has it become more difficult because the offer is so big and it's hard to focus? Oh, well, I think, honestly, I think that the modern magicians, they've got it made, okay, because all of my friends that are teaching classes are teaching from the perspective of, I wish that someone had taught me this when I was starting out. And that's the approach. So all these people who are starting out are getting, you know, 20 and 30 years worth of experience taught to them one-on-one -on -one almost you know uh, like this mm. this online teaching thing gives you a, a way to interact with your teachers in ways that nothing else does right so you can just i am your your teacher and if they're, they're cool about it you know they will just respond to you and, and and talk to you about these things mm -hmm. so so yeah like i'm looking at people coming out of the um like the hecateon courses and the stuff that jason miller teaches with hecate and the strategic sorcery and all that yeah um, and and they're just hitting the ground running, you know. It's like it's like after three years, they're they're doing stuff that took me twenty years to figure out, you know. And and it's great. I think I think the modern magicians have it made, and I can't wait to see what comes out of it. Like like it took us that long to learn how to even begin to research, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's in a way a parallel movement to what you can say about technology, because oh, yeah. you can also say technology is moving faster and faster. So is magic like technology going to move faster and faster? I hope so. I mean, what, what, what do you see magic as doing? Like what? Well, that's like, what, what my what next is, question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so are more people going to be enlightened more quickly? I don't think so. I think I think that uh, I think we have a fixed percentage of humanity that is ever going to be interested in the occult. It's something like 0.6% of all human beings. Mm -hmm. it, it's 0.6% of all books that are sold have something to do with the occult or 0 0.06 or something like that. It's, it's a very mm -hmm. small amount of people mm -hmm. are interested mm -hmm. in occultism versus everything else in the world that they could study. It's, so it's I think a good point to make because we sometimes in this little world have the impression that everything turns around magic, right? Right. It's not true at all. Hmm. Yeah. So amongst amongst those people of humanity who are called to be magicians, that group of people they haven't made right now. <laughs> they they are going to be producing some really awesome stuff. Uh, in right. So it's it's not quantity but quality that's going to increase. That's what you. That's what I think. I, I, I think so, and I've seen it happen. You know. Um, my, my my partner is a, a young woman who's very immersed in receiving all the instruction from multiple uh, people in our, our community and she her her ability to do magic she's doing magic that I um, you know I, I, I barely even learned how to do 10 years ago right and that's what she started with and it's like it's just it's mind-blowing to, to get to participate in rituals with her because it's i don't know they're just powerhouses you know <laughs> so well that, that sounds sounds very good um which brings me back to your to the very beginning of our talk um, um do you think that 
kids you, you said you were about seven or eight when you when you found out that's one of those typical ages um i often ask that question when did it start and quite a number of people had their first impressions about that age do you think that many more kids than those who actually in the end become magicians or hermeticists um could could be open or are open at that age to 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 those forces but just either ignore them or are not in an environment that that carries them along enough it's a good question um i don't I, I, I don't really know. I can't say for sure that I, I have any real answers on that. Um, mm -hmm. I've got kids, and and one of my sons is very uh, interested in the occult and mm -hmm. and is creating a, a set of uh, pagan idols that he's worshiping and praying to and sacrificing to right now, and it's mm -hmm. awesome. It's great to see it. My other, oh, my other son, uh, he's 19. Mm -hmm. And my other son is 18, and he's a borderline atheist. <laughs> you know? So okay. it's like he, he grew up watching me do magic, and he thinks it's all in my head. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. my other son grew up watching me do magic, and he can't wait to do it himself. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, that's individualism, and it's good like that. Yeah. Of, co of course, we could be accused saying that it's only so-and-so few people who are magicians. We could be accused of elitism, but that's... That's another matter. Yeah. Nah. Well, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think we're elite. <laughs> I know I too many magicians think that we're all that elite. <laughs> I'm not saying that we are. I'm saying we could be accused. That, 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 oh. I see that the big difference. <laughs> well, the ceremonial and, magicians, they're more elite than everybody else. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Just ask them. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, well, we have to kind of uh, finish our talk i'm afraid we are about at the end of our time that we have but maybe just the last uh, last point rufus um what do you um what, what are your next projects we've heard about uh, those new projects still very actual yeah. projects but is there anything else behind any i don't know a book or or something else that you're working yes. at that you would like to share with our audience here Yeah, I'm working on um, uh, the kingdom of the heart, the uh, love magic in the seven spheres, because um, as a Taurus ruled by Venus, uh, love has been my salvation and my bliss and also the albatross around my neck <laughs> my entire life. And I, I, uh, I think I understand it better than than everybody else. And I think I have something to say about that. <laughs> Okay, I mean, right. that's 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 arrogant, of course, but yeah, that, that's that's well, have to be sometimes. Well, uh, I think so. And and hermetics gives us such a, a huge, like, uh, so many different ways to to approach romance and the the troubles that we face with our heart and in our modern age, you know. And I, I just want to write about um, exploring how how to use our, our hermetic skills to navigate the the kingdom of the heart. Working title: Love Magic. Yeah, I love magic. And when can we expect that? Um, probably in a year or two. I don't okay. Know. Okay. So I'll, I'll have glasses on it until then. Keep our eyes open on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Joshua Rufus, to be with us here today. Um, I don't know. Do you have a final word for our audience? Um, no, just be good to one another. I mean, it's 
be kind. <laughs> That's yeah. all I can think. It's, it's a good one. It's a good one. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing all your thoughts with us and um, good luck with all your projects. Sure. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, mm -hmm.
Across the Never from the CD by the same name, Across the Never. It's track number 14 at the very end by our friend and listener, Crystal Linder, great film musician who gracefully offered his CD for our podcast to be performed and played here. Thank you once again, Christopher, and I'm sure you're all enjoying that music very much. And I promise you there are still quite a few tracks, at least two more shows, that I will be able to play his music for you. Right, that uh, was our episode number 10 of today. Today, Halloween of 2021. I wish you all, if you're listening on that very day, a very happy Halloween for tonight. Enjoy the evening and uh, be open-minded to all that will happen around you. Right, and of course, we're going to be back next week. Um, Next week is again time for another show and... My guest will be, well, from down under. We Europeans have that terrible way to say, I don't know if you also do that in the US, down under when we talk about Australia, but it's very, very northern centric. Why should they be down under? We are down under for them, right? So anyway, (laughs) I have a guest from Australia and a very interesting one. It's Shu Yap from the area of Melbourne. And she is of uh, Malaysian Chinese descendants, but has grown up in in Australia and is a a very, very interesting astrologer. And the way she sees mostly traditional astrology uh, is highly interesting, I believe. And I'm sure you're going to enjoy our talk. Um, It was really lovely to speak to her, recorded that two weeks ago. And... Um, happy to present that to you next week. Right, so next week will be November 7th already. Christmas is approaching, the end of the year is approaching, the new year is approaching. My God, so many things to come. But before that, November 7th, episode 11 with Shu Yap as my guest next week. And well, for now, I can only thank you for having been listening to this show this week and hope to have you back healthy and safe next week still still that madness going on with covid out there so really be careful what you do and make the good choices right okay take care stay tuned hear you soon